Well, you only live once, maybe not. And this life right now might be all we've got. So let's contemplate the hereafter while we speculate with some laughter about this grim thing that happens to us all after that final curtain call. But before you take that final breath, let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and today I have a guy who was on my podcast who, when I asked him the question, what does he think happens when we die, it was a real mindfuck. It really just kind of, yeah, I I was blown away. And not that I haven't gotten cool answers before. I've gotten some that I've referred back to on other episodes even. But he put it in such a way where it was almost like a infinite existential just blew my mind away. And so and it, it, it came off almost like not argumentative, but kind of like a, a feeling of, well, what are you getting at? And, and it was, it was awesome. And I told him, I was like, if you could, if you could see me, I'm grinning from ear to ear because it was just great. It really opened my mind. And he is, he, his name is Dane Dormio and he is a martial artist and an internal martial artist, uh, practicing things like Tai Chi. And, uh, he really, he's just got a very fascinating story. Uh, he grew up an atheist in the Bible belt. So that's interesting. And, uh, you know, he just kind of discovered different philosophies along the way and different ways of, of, of just handling being a human. And, uh, yeah, he's just very at ease at peace. You know, it's, it's one of those kinds of levels of enlightenment that, uh, I think we all should strive for. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, today I, I, I did give myself a little bit of a treat though. I had what I refer to as a sleepathon. My wife and I, in fact, call them a sleepathon where you sleep more than the regular seven, eight hours. Um, I basically, I got myself probably about 12 hours of sleep and eh, maybe not that much, 11 hours of sleep. And it felt great. You know, sometimes I do that and I wake up and I feel miserable and I woke up today and I was just all bright eyed and bushy tailed. So I was ready to go. But, uh, yeah, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes it's, it's the simple things. It's the little things that you appreciate. You know, that's one thing we're learning with all the, the COVID, uh, uh, pandemic and, and, and things like that is we're, we're just kind of not that we forgot the little things, but we're really missing them now. And so I think what we need to do is, you know, just kind of take time to smell the roses and, and, and just really start to appreciate ourselves more. I know I need to do that. Appreciate being alone, appreciate being with others, appreciate just everything, more gratitude. But, uh, yeah, it's, and, and, and I'm recording this intro and it's a few weeks after I recorded the actual interview with Dane and a lot has happened just since then. I mean, now when this comes out, we've got 
all of the the protests going on and more news that we've learned about the the coronavirus that constantly changes on a daily basis and it's just a matter of just really appreciating what we have and appreciating who we are and appreciating the others you know appreciating other people as much as they might piss you off it's a matter of appreciating them because i mean we're all part of the same uh, clump of mess that <laughs> that we call the universe so yeah uh, you know, I don't really have anything other than than that. It's uh, it's just it's it's. I think this is a very interesting conversation because it really made me think. It really made me just kind of delve deep into myself and and really just it was it was cool. It blew my mind. So I'll just uh, I'll leave it at that. But just know that when he was answering, I was grinning ear to ear because it was just it blew my doors off. So anyway, here's my conversation with Dane Dormio, and uh, enjoy. Hey, Jim. I'm doing great. Very good, very good. So I see that you have a background in martial arts and uh and have coaching experience and such uh i guess um could you tell us a little bit about yourself and and what led you to that path and and what uh what inspired you to get into the martial arts yes i can it's it's something that i am very passionate about and love talking about and there's a uh, something Steve Jobs, uh, Steve Jobs, said comes to mind about uh, you don't see how the pieces, you don't see how the dots will connect in events. You can only see that looking back. And interesting. The martial arts has always been a big part of it. Has been a big part of my life. It's been a big part of everything for me. It's a big part of what I do now. And it uh, started when I was a kid. I was a huge Ninja Turtles fan. Basically <laughs> Me too. Wanted... I love that show. Yeah. I, I've got, I had a big collection and everything. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I basically wanted to be a uh, Ninja Turtle. That's awesome. And so, <laughs> and so my parents uh, signed me up for uh, Taekwondo lessons when I was 10 at the nearest chain taekwondo school and it was the kind of place uh where you i, I started as a black belt um, i started at age 10 uh-huh. had a black belt at age 12 gotcha. had a second degree black belt at age 14 and then i started uh, moved off in into started doing other stuff uh martial arts wise and uh, <clears throat> this was uh from uh, all through the time I uh, went to and graduated from college, um, I uh, I grew up in the Bible Belt as a rational materialistic atheist, and okay. um, and so in uh, in the rural South, uh, you know, this was kind of this is what was available. When I went to college 
And, and through the time I was in college, I studied uh, Japanese martial arts, Chinese martial arts, Brazilian martial arts. Um, and uh, they all had the characteristics of, of being primarily external, meaning the emphasis is on uh, physical fitness and jumping around and kicking high and doing backflips and that sort of stuff. Okay. Um, and I, uh, yeah, were you going to ask something? No, no, I was just going to make a comment that, uh, yeah, it definitely, it definitely seems to be hand in hand with, with a physical fitness type of regiment. Um, but uh, uh, I, I got the feeling that you're you're when I see that you're you know doing more mind body type of coaching that there's more to the story than just the physical side of the martial arts. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Um, so I uh, I studied math and physics in college, and. I went to a small private liberal arts school where you have to take a little, everyone has to take a little bit of everything. And the religion, uh, the religion elective that I took, that I chose was Buddhism. Okay. And uh, it was uh, just cool old stories, which I'd always liked. I always really dug the the Greek and Roman myths. I, uh, I'd, I'd found and read a copy of the Panchatantra as a kid, and I really liked that. And I'd, <clears throat> I'd, I'd uh, I even found a copy of the Tao Te Ching as a kid, and I read it, and it didn't make any sense to me at the time. It was just a bunch of gobbledygook. <laughs> but <clears throat> um, uh, uh, the uh, cool old stories I liked, so the stories of uh, Gotama sitting under the Tree and having the Satori, the awakening experience, and becoming the Buddha, the awakened one. It was just all cool old stories. It needed intellectual exercise. It didn't really mean a whole lot at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and actually, among the uh, martial arts that I, that I studied, I actually tried Tai Chi when I was in college, and I found I didn't have the patience for it at the time. Um, but uh, I was exposed to, and I tried, uh, and it got really good at a, a lot of other things. I, I, one thing I was really into when I was in college was capoeira, which is an Afro-Brazilian uh, fusion of martial arts, acrobatics, and dance. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, all, uh, that was... Uh, that was my exposure through college, and I graduated from college and went to graduate school in Southern California in physics, and I was in a new town looking for new martial arts to do, new martial arts schools to go to, and I saw a place called the the Kung Fu Academy, so I thought I'd check that out, do something new and different I haven't uh, tried before. And it turned out this school taught internal martial arts, it was an internal martial arts school, largely based on the Tai Chi classics, kind of non-denominational, but largely based on uh, the Tai Chi classics, which is a, a set of, of writings that's um, sort of uh, 
establishes the, the, the principles of, of what's known as Tai Chi. And that's that's the and, thing I wanted to ask you is is from my understanding, and again, I'm I'm an outsider. I don't I don't practice any, but uh, I, from my understanding, Tai Chi is almost more of a. Um, you mentioned you did it before, but then uh, uh, you got some more exposure to it here. It's almost like a. I don't want to say it's a yoga type of thing, but it's more along the lines of of calming the body down and doing things of of that nature as opposed to you know, beating the crap out of somebody, for example. I mean, it is a, it is a defense type of, uh, uh, martial arts still though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's, those, those are all great questions. And, <laughs> and, uh, the, the, uh, yeah, um, they're, they're the kind of questions that a lot of, uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of people, uh, have when they kind of first come in contact. And, um, I, uh, I'll actually, I'll clarify all of that, uh, in, in due time, what, like Perfect. what that means specifically. But, um, in, in terms of my own past, the, uh, this, uh, this was a turning point for me when I, when I, um, began to, uh, practice internal martial arts and it was called the Kung Fu Academy. So I, I, I went into it looking for some cool new martial arts too. If it had been called the Tai Chi Academy, I probably wouldn't have gone. You know? <laughs> um, um, uh, but it was um, it, it was a, a really unique place and uh, and uh, blended the uh, the internal and the external aspects very thoroughly. And and I found that as I started slowing down and feeling my body, feeling my movement, feeling my breathing and focusing. I found my martial arts started working a whole lot better. Hmm. And, and, um, and I just started noticing more and more about what was going on inside my body. And that's an interesting, there was, well, it's an interesting concept to think about that. Cause that, you've got me thinking because it's one of those kinds of concepts where you can't see your own eyeball, you know, from inside your eyeball. You can't, uh, uh, you know, it's there, but you can't see it. And the body is one of those it things. Sounds you like, just, it sounds like you're, uh, you're a fan of Alan Watts. I honestly, I'm not real familiar, but, uh, okay. Well, that's, that would be, yeah, oh, totally. You'll, you'll definitely dig it. That's, that's one of his uh, things. The eye can't see itself. The tongue can't taste itself. And, um, uh, the, uh, the, um, what, what I'm talking about is just paying attention to what's going on inside the body, which is, which is the, the fundamental distinction between internal versus external martial arts, external martial arts, the focus is on what's happening outside internal martial arts. The focus is on what's happening inside the body, the sensations that you're feeling in the body. So just feeling the the body feeling the sensations in the body, noticing the sensation of movement and breathing, and the, the and, not uh, and structure the- and and gravity and and just uh, being being uh, and 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 uh, cultivating a, uh, a a relaxed meditative state of mind. Okay. While doing that. Um, these these three things together are are, are kind of the, the keys to the kingdom as uh, as will be revealed. But what what actually happened to me was um, 
I was uh, I, I was getting really into it. It was it was fun. It was it was, felt great. It was addictive in a good way. And I was practicing all the time. And I was uh, uh, one one evening, a few months after I after I uh, started going to the school, I was in my room practicing. And I often was just moving slowly and breathing and feeling. And all of a sudden, there was a moment when everything in the universe was totally different. All of a sudden, everything had completely changed. And yet, in the same instant, everything was completely the same. Nothing had changed at all. Other than my fundamental mode of structuring perception. And the first thought that went through my mind when this, <laughs> when this happened to me was, Oh, that's what that was. So, so what was your first <laughs> because thought? I thought back to my, the first thought was, Oh, that's what that was. That was, that was my first thought. And it was, it was uh, linking back to the story that I had read in, in Buddhism about the Satori, the instantaneous awakening. And I thought, Oh, that's what they're talking about. And it was like this thing that I had, had not been seeking Are we still here? Yeah, yeah. It all of a sudden sounded okay. like a... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe you uh, dropped it too. I got for a second. <laughs> uh, and, uh, the thing that, that uh, I hadn't been seeking or really even believed in, just all of a sudden that people spend years and decades of their life uh, seeking after and, and striving for just fell out of the sky and landed in my lap. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my second thought was, where did that come from? <laughs> And so, so like, like a form of enlightenment or, or just being one with the universe kind of feeling or what, uh, I guess, uh, what was, what does that moment well, feel like? What does that even, you know, it, it's, it feels like I just described all of a sudden everything was the same. Everything was totally different and everything was the same. It, it feels like right now, uh, Tim, can you see your nose? Exactly. I cannot. No. If I look right. down and sure? focus, you, I can. Okay. So if you if you if you uh, if you if you look at it, if you look for it, it's there. You can like you know maybe cross your eyes a little and you can see it in your peripheral vision, right? Totally. But your first response was no, I can't see it. Before your it was brought to your attention, you you thought you weren't seeing it, but then after you see it, you realize. Oh, actually, you can see it, and you have been seeing it all along. <laughs> That's interesting. I like that concept. It's it's like that with with everything, the whole the whole universe. There, and what from 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 my first person, well, I'll, I'll, uh, from the from the third person perspective, this experience has has been written about and and talked about uh, and as long as human beings have been around presumably. And there are three 
well-identified stages, which are the instantaneous awakening, which happens in an instant, the peak state, which the, the transient peak state, which is always transient, it lasts for a certain period of time, and then the residual awareness, which can never completely go away. You can never unsee it once you've seen it. Okay. And and by it, I mean the 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 fundamental bedrock of reality and perception and the true nature of reality and consciousness and cosmos and this thing we call existence. Almost uh, like the Matrix movie where you, I mean, I, I hate to use pop culture and something so deep and profound, but it's the analogy that comes to mind is when the Neo character is able to see the quote unquote fabricated reality that's around him that is programmed by the computers that he then sees the code. It's a reasonable metaphor. Uh, it's indeed. Okay. Um, it's in, in my, my first person experience, it was uh, all, all of my, Un, all of my unanswered questions became unasked. I, in other words, I had no philosophical conundrums or questions or anything. Like all of my existential tensions were resolved. Um, the 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 peak state in my case, lasted about three months, which is a good run, which was, it was like being totally turned on optimal state all the time, 24 nice. seven for three months. It was like that, a lot like in that movie limitless, yeah, where there yeah. is a little pill that you take, except there was no little pill. It was just like that for three months. And, uh, and then the uh, the 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 residual awareness is something that you can never unsee. So uh, this was uh, yeah. There's uh, there's certain people that have have had this this type of experience, and um, and and once one has had it, they're recognizable. I, I, I recognize them when I meet them. I recognize them through their writing. For example, uh, Herman Hesse, uh, um, uh, author of Siddhartha and, and, and many other great uh, works of fiction, uh, is is someone who uh, is. I can tell that he had this type of experience by reading his writings, and um, and, and and there are many many other examples, but. Um, the uh, in terms of in terms of my life path, little did I realize this this event was only the beginning of my problems. <laughs> That's yeah, but well, and and let me ask you this because if there's one thing I've I've taken kind of a different path from you know from more of the the internal uh, 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 speculation and martial arts, and then having one of those grand awakening type moments. But I've, you know, I've dabbled in existentialism and, uh, uh, you know, different uh, forms of concepts of what is out there, what uh, 
you know, I'm not talking about alien life forms on that, although the, <laughs> the government just confirmed that basically recently. Um, but uh, uh, the, the, the fact that, um, you know, I've come to realize that in the grand scheme of things, all the day-to-day problems are an illusion. They're trivial. They're, you know, yeah, at the moment they seem very real, but in the grand scheme of things, they're, they're, they're really almost not. And I did myself go through a period where it was like I was able to just let things pass through. You know, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't dwell on things. I didn't, uh, um, you know, I didn't take things and hang on to them for so long. And, and, and with me, it was a very short period of time, but there is still a remnant of that where I'm able to quickly remind myself, Hey, this, this is nothing, you know, the, 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 it's just a matter of, you know, time doesn't exist and reality is not what we think. So to say, I, and, and so I can easily talk myself off the ledge, so to speak and say, you know what, this will pass. I've make it, I'll make it through it. I'll figure something out. I'm not going to worry about it. And, you know, I am almost wondering if it's what you've experienced is that times a hundred, you know? So, um, it's very fascinating to me to, 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 to see, well, again, with that, with that analogy, that the, the code, you know, to be able to see the world in that kind of, uh, through those eyes. Yes, well, uh, I, I recently heard it put a really great way that um, as as a, uh, a sort of a dialectic between uh, between materialism and uh, and and essentially the, the Buddhist perspective, which is that um, the materialistic perspective is the material world is real. And all that is real and the subjective realm is the epiphenomenon within the material realm. And the, the Buddhist perspective is the subjective realm is, is all that is ultimately real. And then the material realm are, is epiphenomenon within the realm of the subjective. So it's this question of does the physical universe, does consciousness exist within the physical universe? Or does the physical universe exist within consciousness? That's interesting. And perhaps a better question to ask might be, are the physical universe and consciousness two parts of a larger whole? Which could be called all that is. Okay. In other words, it's the concept of, if you're, if you're seeing two things... If there's a perspective from which there there can appear to be two things, then there is another perspective from which those two things plus that which is perceiving those two things is part of a larger whole. And if there's something perceiving that from the outside, then that thing all there's also another perspective from which that is uh an additional thing is a part of the larger whole. Do you see what I'm Yeah. Saying? Yeah, that's so uh... In a, uh, there's, uh, that kind of, uh, the, the, the existence of a, of a third person perspective implies an even larger perspective. And that's, uh, you know, mathematical infinity. Exactly. I was just going to say, it sounds like it would, it would and, never end. And like, and like, uh, and like, uh, many other kinds of mathematical infinities, we can refer to it with a, a symbol or a label or a concept like, all that is, or God, or 
the universe, the universe with a capital or, U, you know, like totally, yeah. whatever, whatever you want to call it with a capital I, <laughs> you know, all that is that, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's kind of like the sideways eight, uh, for infinity. It's just a symbol for, uh, an open-ended, uh, concept or, or process exactly that has no upper bound. That's it, it, it. Well, and the thing is, is that I wonder if when you have something that can be defined from a, you know, physical and the, uh, what, what did you refer to it as? The, not the subconscious, but there was another term you used, uh, for the, well, I said the, the physical, uh, and the, um, uh, subjective. Subjective. That's right. Um, if you can define it through physical and subjective, it makes you wonder if if it's if those elements are definable, could it go on infinitely, or would there be an end? In other words, would there be a final layer to be able to define those things in the first place? You know, because if it's in other words, if it, if you've got physical reality and subjective reality and they and it's being perceived and it's being perceived by other sources and other means and you've got different layers and in an infinite uh, uh, sideways eight type of type of level, it almost makes you wonder if it if it doesn't have to be defined as physical and subjective. Otherwise, it all because or it all becomes essentially part of everything, part of the uh, uh, uppercase universe and and that which then on a flip side of that could almost make it all just one. And therefore it's not infinite in the fact that it's all one, you know, this is getting into more existential, uh, 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 ambiguity, you know, ambiguous terms here, but, uh, it's just, it, it's, it's fascinating. That That's the reason why, I, you know, started this podcast is, is what is reality? What is truth? What is death? Does death exist? You know, um, does the consciousness go on? Because if there is a physical realm, and there's a subjective realm, then that would almost imply that the physicality of a, of a, of a being should still be able to exist in the subjective. And that therefore, if they're existing in the subjective and being perceived by a physical realm, do they still exist in the physical realm? You know, it's almost like a, a, a quandary that keeps going back and forth. And this is a whole new way of looking at death for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's uh. You know, I guess it makes it, it comes down to that whole in some regards, you could say, well, people who were perceived from the physical realm on that other layer, that would be what a memory of somebody could be. You know, to quote another pop reference, uh, the recent movie Coco, which which basically talks about that, um, you know, the, the tradition, the Mexican tradition of as long as somebody is remembered, they're still existing. And. You know, which of course is based on the Day of the Dead tradition and that uh, uh, in Mexico, and uh, but that's an interesting concept. If they're still being remembered, they're still being perceived. They're still, in a sense, in the physical realm. Sorry, I hope I didn't go off the rails too far there. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there. Uh, I. Uh, these, I, um, I, uh, just, uh, one, one quick question for, uh, orientation. Are you familiar with, um, 
uh, integral philosophy and the work of Ken Wilber. I am integral theory. I am not. No, I, I, I'm going to be one hundred percent honest with you. I okay. am not very well read. <laughs> I take in things okay. audibly. I so I've, I've been doing more, uh, uh, more audible, you know, type things and yeah, and, and, and yeah. Uh, uh, that's that's why I just I just sort of like an orient, orient, orienting question. Um, but uh, if you want to get into that, Ken Wilber's got a lot of great books that, that are on Audible. But um, the uh, <clears throat> where where there's the uh, 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 my 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 summation of integral theory in this moment is where there's a dichotomy, there's something that transcends and includes that dichotomy. So. I guess if you could explain a little further, because I like where this is going. Yeah, that's. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, uh, so, I, uh, I, uh, as as I said, I grew up as a rational materialist atheist. That that was my uh, sort of. Uh, philosophical spiritual uh orientation for the first uh 20 years or so and how, how uh, did, of my life how did that work and in the, the bible uh, because and then uh i was well i was just i was a, a rebel from day one basically gotcha and, okay uh, um uh but that uh, that that perspective is is a very uh, powerful and 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 useful perspective, and it uh, and it's it's unnatural in its domain of validity. Um, I, uh, I I had an experience that that uh, uh, enabled me to perceive a, a broader perspective of uh, a, a broader um, epistemic uh, perspective. Okay. And the uh, it's it's not that I rejected uh, my previous viewpoint or viewpoints. It's that I transcended and included them. So I went, okay, I have this this stuff over here, these tools, these rational thoughts that I've been developing uh, my whole life. They're they're still useful and valuable. And I have this whole other mode of thinking, feeling, sensing, perceiving operating that transcends and includes that. Um, and, uh, and, and so there's, uh, just the, the same thing I was saying previously about how there's, um, the, the, where there's a dichotomy, which is more real, the physical or the subjective, well, how about they're both equally real in parts of a larger whole. They're both equally real parts of a larger whole, which is reality with a capital R or whatever you want to call it, you know? So, uh, all that is ATI, <laughs> um, uh, or, or, uh, GOD grand order of design. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's as the, the Tao Te Ching, uh, opens and, and, and one of the, uh, the experiences I had, uh, uh, during my spiritual awakening, my initial spiritual awakening was I came in contact with the Tao Te Ching and I read it and it all made perfect sense. And, and I, I recognized and, and identified then as a Taoist. I went, oh, okay. That's what someone who 
perceives the way I do is called as a Taoist. And so that's how I identify. And also with, with Tai Chi, which we, we haven't gone into, I, I promised we would, and we still can, but, but Tai Chi uh, being the, the physical practice of Taoism. And so I'm a practicing Taoist. The, the physical manifestation and practice of the, of the concepts, principles of Taoism, which originates from the Tao Te Ching, uh, which is uh, definitely worth a read. Uh, in my opinion, the uh, single most concise, profound compilation of human wisdom ever recorded in 81 short verses. You could sit down and read the whole thing in 30 minutes if you wanted to. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But it's worth, it's worth revisiting. It's, uh, it's very concise. But the very first verse is like a disclaimer. It says, the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao. The, the path that can be walked is not the true path. Like, we're about to attempt to put something into words that cannot be put into words because <laughs> words are not reality. Words represent reality. The map is not the territory. The map represents the territory. So reality is bigger than anything that can be written down or spoken. That has my uh, attention already, yeah. That kind of, I mean, it, it opens with with that. The Tao that, that can be actually written down is not the eternal Tao. So, you know, take this, it's just words. Pointing to something that cannot be defined it's a in map. words or symbols or mathematics or anything. In, in its totality, parts of it can be defined in math with words and numbers and symbols. But... It with a capital I is bigger than because it includes yeah it includes that and that and what's not <laughs> it includes the background as well as the foreground. So where I'm going with this is um, the uh, the tools of uh, rationality and empiricism are are valid great useful tools. Um, they're not the only tools, uh, but. Uh, they, uh, they're useful tools and they can, and they aren't strictly limited to the physical realm. They can be applied to the subjective realm. And, um, among the work that has been done in this area is, uh, transpersonal psychology, uh, and, and the work of Sian Graf, who's the grandfather of transpersonal psychology and developer of holotropic breathwork, who's one of the original psychotherapist in Prague in the 1960s to work with LSD-assisted psychotherapy and developed uh, a body of work that has grown in the area of transpersonal psychology, which is about exploring the subjective realms, transpersonal meaning outside the self. So there's the the ordinary biographical awareness, everything you perceive from, you know, first person, quote unquote, your perspective. Mm -hmm. But then there's the whole realm of uh, of things that go beyond that, which are everything from alien encounters to quote unquote past life experiences to, um, uh, uh, spiritual awakenings and, and all kinds of stuff that happens and, um, and experience and all forms of experience. So psychotherapy, uh, hypnosis and hypnotherapy, um, uh, shamanism and, uh, and, uh, that sort of thing. So, well, it's interesting um, that you bring the, up... Uh, the, I was saying all this to point you in the direction of uh, transpersonal psychology to as, as an example of one of the ways that science is uh, making inroads into um, the, uh, the, the subjective realm. And in particular, 
so what what triggered it for me was the, the concept of, of discarnate entities. So if you're talking about um, a, uh, a, a a being that exists not in the physical realm in some kind, whether it be a person who has passed on, you know, a person who was alive and has passed on, or you know, the spirit of a person, or whether it be some other type of angelic or demonic or or extraterrestrial being. Um, the, the term for these are discarnate entities, and there's there's evidence uh, of uh, of these in the uh, psychoanalytic uh, literature. For example, the the sort of thing that, that Stan uh, himself uh, reports happening is um, is uh, with patients like on on the couch, you know, in 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 um, uh, in, in his uh, uh, psychotherapy office. Going, going through what you know, to all appearances, was an instance of demonic possession in in the in the process in the the process in the progress of, of a healing process of a, of a deep, prolonged healing process, and um, uh, there, uh, and and so um, there's there are the, the the tools of rationality and empiricism can be applied to these things if. Um, uh, uh, and um, you know, and it, it uh, is happening. It has been happening. It's not that much talked about. The, the more we talk about it, you know, the more people will know about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, the yeah, the, the in particular, the field of transpersonal psychology is um, is uh, where uh, where I would direct you to. Uh, uh, to to uh, learn about some of the the inroads that have been made into these areas, mapping out the areas of of the psyche and consciousness beyond the first person human experience. Well, and and you'd mentioned uh, um, with the uh, what was it psychoanalytical? Um, uh, I can't remember how you worded it, but what 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 were those entities that you were talking about? The the people who had lived, did you call them disjointed entities? Oh, discarnate, discarnate entities. Discarnate. I, I've never, I'm not familiar with that term. That is, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a term. That's, that's, it's, it's, uh, well, the, opposite the, 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 the value of words, uh, words can actually the truth, but they are handy for like getting a handle on it. So yeah, the term for, like, for example, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's famous channelers, Abraham Hicks being one of them, you know, Abraham Hicks is, I'm familiar uh, with, yeah, my, my, uh, wife is, you know, is, like is, is, you know, is the entity that is, you know, is, is being channeled in, in those writings or that content or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, it's just, it's just a term that captures, um, uh, you know, the whole, a whole range of, uh, of things from just, you know, mundane to angelic, demonic, extraterrestrial, uh, anything outside uh, of our normal, being. right? Uh, yeah, perspective or perception, I should say. Um, yeah, but I like that term. I mean, because just any, any anyone or anything that might talk to you through a Ouija board, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and that's that's one of the things uh, uh, that I've been involved with uh, for the last decade or so is uh, we do um, ghost hunting. <clears throat> excuse me, ghost hunting uh, uh, investigations and. I've seen my share of crazy shit. I'll be honest with you, you know. And you know, there's been there's been talk that uh, some of these things that might be 
quote unquote ghosts could be demonic, could be, you know, uh, uh, something other than what we're, you know, what we're perceiving or what the people who are suffering from having these, you know, disruptions in their house uh, are perceiving. But uh, yeah, I guess I'm just not, I'm not familiar with the term discarnate entity. I like that because it makes sense. I mean, you've got your incarnation, your reincarnation and your discarnation. So I'm assuming that's what it's derived from. Is something that oh yeah, it means it's it's not it means not incarnated. So it's you know it's not in a body. <laughs> it's not in a body exactly. Yeah, so that makes total sense. So uh, well, then that brings me uh, brings me to the the big question. Then, so what do you think? You know, with all of your spiritualism and you know going from more of an atheist type of perspective, which a lot of people, from my my understanding, atheism isn't just a there is no God. It's it's more than that. Um, Going from that type of perspective into, you know, more of the uh, the Taoist type of perspective, what uh, what do you feel? What do you believe happens when when we die? Do we get reincarnated? Do we come back? Are we gone? Are we nothing? I mean, what what do you believe happens? When who dies? When anybody dies? Like when you when you die? What's after this? When I die? What's after this? What do you what do you think happens? Was asking the question. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay, let's say from a. When, let me ask. Let me. Let me. Let me ask you, Tim. What happens if you're if you're standing outside looking at an ant hill? What happens when one of those ants dies? Well, who's asking the question? That's a good point. Is is it is it the person standing looking down at the ant hill asking the question? Is it? that particular ant asking the question? Is it one of the other what ants the other? in the colony asking the question? Is it the queen ant of the colony asking the question? Is it the ant colony itself as a superorganism asking the question? Is it the entire species of ants asking the question? What happens to you when one of your skin cells dies? God, that's th- if you could see my face, I'm grinning ear to ear. This is great. Because, yeah. Who's that's- asking the question? That that makes okay. So let's say that um, because this all falls back, <clears throat> this all falls back on the uh, uh, physical and subjective realm being perceived by an outside source, and all and the different if, layers. So so yeah. Let's. Uh, God, I love that curveball you just threw let's, me. <laughs> let's 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 simplify let's simplify this. Uh, there's and and just say uh, like like as a mathematical definition a um, of, of inclusion uh, a uh, a perspective uh, that includes another perspective is larger than it. So um, if you're asking from the perspective of let me let me ask you this. What happens to the bacteria in your gut when you die? So if if the question or if the question is being asked from the perspective of one of the bacteria in your gut, what happens when you die? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's say that the or all... what happens or what happens let's go as I mean you can go as small as you want to go, but you know, what happens to one of the protons in one of the atoms, you know, in in one of your uh you know, tissue cells. Uh, the, let's go from the very smallest perspective we can imagine and ask the question, what happens when you, and, you know, quote, unquote, you, what you are we talking about? Uh, 
but just keep it simple. Let's you know, let's say you, the individual, die. Mm-hmm. Ask the question from the perspective of a proton, and from the perspective of an atom, and from the perspective of a molecule, and then from the perspective of a cell in the body, and then from the perspective of a part of the body, and then from a perspective of the uh, of your family, and then from the perspective of uh, the species, and then ask it from the perspective of the animal kingdom, from the perspective of the ecosystem, from the perspective of the Earth, the solar system, the Milky Way, the yeah, and universe with a capital U, with a capital go U. all the way exactly. up. Go, go all, you know, Cause, just, cause put, it, just put a symbol on it. Put, it, put a symbol on it, like a sideways eight for infinity, and from that perspective, what happens when you die? Nothing changes. It's all here. It's all always been here. It all always will be here. Because this perspective is outside of time because time is a thing. Exactly. So it includes time, but it's not It's not just time. It's more than that. So it's all of time. In, in other words, from that perspective, uh, all of time, past, future, present, all of possibility, all exists all, all at once. Because all that dimension... And and this yeah. and this in this uh, uh, four dimensional uh, existence we're experiencing along the one D timeline, it's mm-hmm. all already happened. Exactly. As as, as well as uh, and and uh, if you if you want to if you want to really uh, if you want another curveball, this includes <laughs> this uh, this. Um, uh, total possibility space, in, 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 or rather, all that is includes uh, not just everything in the in the physical realm, not just everything in the subjective realm, but including logic and mathematics and you know all those infinities. Uh, it includes uh, the possibility space as well, the space of possibilities. Oh yeah. Like this morning, you put on your left shoe first before your right shoe, or vice versa. All possibilities, and that's, well, and and, and that's happen or not happen, all realized or unrealized, and from whatever point in the uh, uh, hyperspace time continuum, it's all already happened. It's all, it's Absolutely. all now. It all just is. Not nothing is going anywhere. Nothing can go anywhere. It's like what happens when you throw away a banana peel. Well, from the perspective of your house, it disappears. What about from the perspective of the ecosystem? It goes somewhere. What about when you throw away a tin candle? From the perspective of your house, it disappears. But from the perspective of the planet, it just gets moved somewhere else. Or maybe it gets broken up into little bits and those bits. But what 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 goes? Nothing goes anywhere because it's all here. There's nowhere for anything to go because it's all here. That's so. From from that from that perspective, but qualifying, I'm talking. You know, when you're, I'm saying. So so the whole point of that progression, asking from the smallest perspective you can imagine to the largest perspective. And from the largest perspective, nothing ever stops or starts or ends or like begins. It, like it's all. It's all happening here, all now. The time it all it's yeah it, right. And 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 honestly, uh, uh, until you brought it to that point, I've always looked at well, it's. It's an exit point. It's a um, this defined person of Tim Rooney in 2020. When that person dies, that. But you're right. If if it's and this is beyond a scientific uh, 
uh, uh, electrons and energy and it gets it gets shuffled around. But you're you know, from the standpoint of all the possibilities, all the different timelines, all the different uh, quantum realms and all the different uh, uh, dimensions that could happen. I mean, I was just thinking about this the other day. I I was uh, uh, when I was real little, I had uh, bacterial meningitis and they told me, you know, or they told my mom that, uh, you know, he'd be lucky if he could talk or walk or basically do anything because I had it so bad to the point where my dad basically had essentially given up on me. He stopped coming to visit because he didn't want to get attached because I was still so young and however messed up that is. But my dad was a good guy. Um, But uh, I sat there and I was thinking, I was like, you know, in some other dimension, I am blind in another dimension. I cannot, you know, I I'm basically a vegetable in another dimension. And that's just because of this one single point in this one particular thing. How about all the times that in another dimension on my way to work, I walked in front of a bus and all the different possibilities. And yes, from that perspective, we, my existence, my life right now under the grand scheme of things in terms of the big U universe, I'm a proton. And so when I die, looking at it that way, my protons still go on. They become something else. My, 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 uh, 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 you know, the, 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 the different elements that are make up my body that those protons make up, they all still go on. So yeah, in that regard, if you look at it from, I am a, I am a composite of all the electrons in my body, then I do exist. But I guess what, I guess, let me ask the question. Well, let me, let me ask you something now, Tim, since you are, uh, you're, you are, uh, seeing from, from such an expanded perspective, you're, you're, I mean, no, you know, no finite human mind can, of course, take in, you know, the infinity of all that is, you know, we can, so. you know, we, we can represent it. Right. <laughs> but, um, but, but to, to the, to, to the degree that you can take on that perspective, recognize, ah, ah, that, oh, that perspective then you are, are you not identifying with that perspective? And therefore you are in some sense identical with that perspective. And, and all, it, it can all be summed up in, in nine words. There's just one consciousness, and we are all it. Nice. And that, honestly, that, again, and that that one consciousness could be, to put it into a four-dimensional, as you, as you say, which I, I'm completely with you on that one, would be the big you universe in some regards, to put, to put it in simplistic terms. But you're right. It is all one consciousness. I completely agree with you there. And so, you know, there, there, well, and some refer to it as, um, source, source energy. Uh, in fact, I think Abraham yeah. Hicks, uh, refers to it as that way. Uh, but there's been other people. Good name for it. What's that? It's a perfectly good name for it. Yeah. And, and, and it makes sense, you know, and, and I asked my wife one time, I was like, well, what happens to your individuality? You know, when you die, because we got on the subject. This is something that's fascinated me since I've been little. And uh, and she gave me an analogy that comes from that, you know, from that, uh, uh, well, source of <laughs> talking about source is think of a raindrop. A raindrop has its own identity, but then it goes back to the ocean. 
And I'm like, okay, I can wrap my head around that, you know, where, but I guess the one thing that I'm wondering is what happens to the individuality? In other words, that raindrop goes back to the ocean. Yes. That the, there's, <clears throat> there's, there's, there's still a fundamental, it, uh, can, can I, uh, just re- relate, relate to where you are from my perspective? Absolutely. Because I, because I, I, I can relate to it because I was there. Uh, it's. Are you referring to that and, moment that you had? Well, I'm, I'm referring to before that, my entire life before that. Okay. I was, it was all an intellectual exercise for me. I was in my head. I was living in my head and I had these ideas and I could entertain these ideas and, you know, do, you know, do logical operations with them and stuff. Um, but the, the type, the type of experience, uh, that, that I described that, that I and others have had, it's a type of experience where this kind of thing is no longer an intellectual exercise. It's a, it's a, ah, just like seeing your nose there was. Okay. It's an experiential getting, and it's not. It's and it's uh, it's it's. There's knowing in there's, there's cerebral knowledge, and then there's embodied knowledge. In other words, you can know something in your head, but not know it in your gut, in your bones, in the cells of your body. Okay. Can you give me an example um, of uh, of what what exactly you mean by that? Yeah, I was, I was just I was just trying to uh, think. <laughs> I was trying to think of a good example, and actually. Uh, did, uh, did you mention you had kids? I do have a son. Yes. Okay. 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 So just a hypothetical example then that, that I'm sure pretty much any parent would be able to relate to. Um, uh, like, uh, say you, uh, um, you, you left, uh, you left your house, uh, and, and you left your son at home and you thought it was okay, but then you, you get a little ways away and you, and you start to think, wait, did I, uh, take care of something? You thought there might've been something there was a little bit dangerous or, or wasn't taken care of. And, and, and you convince yourself that it's okay. So logically in your head, you go, no, it should be okay. But in your body, your body is going, I should go back and check. Gotcha. And then. And then you go back and check and you see that everything is okay. And your body goes, okay, now I get it. Now it's okay. And I can go on about my, that's, that's a, that's like a, like a, like a very, uh, uh, sharp kind of example, but it's like, I mean, right, right now you're intellectualizing about, about this. And, and for me, I just, uh, I just, I just, I, it's not an intellectual thing. It's a, it's an, it's, uh, it's an experiential thing. Yeah. So, um, that's, uh, that's the state that, uh, much, much of humanity is in. And, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Ted talks, but Sir Ken Robinson's Ted talk about how school programs us out of being creative and into all like living up in our heads. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, uh, I actually, uh, this is actually a great segue to go back into, um, uh, Tai Chi and, and internal martial arts, um, 
to uh, because this is a big part of what I do. I want to make sure to get to before we wrap up. Oh, absolutely. Um, the uh, and what what I discovered it's there's a uh, a lot of people are in their heads. What I and what I what I uh, didn't know like prior prior to my initial spiritual awakening and and much like further work and development that has happened since then in life experience. Um, I was completely living in my head and I was not in my body at all. And this is actually a typical trauma response. It's like, it's just in, and the kind of micro trauma that's systemic and, uh, it just like, it tends to cause us to live in our, in our heads, um, and not be in our bodies and not inhabit our bodies in a feeling sensing kind of a way and we have uh we have shame and we have all kinds of other things and so um most people before they discover some kind of mind body practice like tai chi or qigong which tai chi is a form of uh are mostly living in their heads and i was completely living in my head until i started practicing internal martial arts and i didn't i didn't know it you know somebody told me i was totally in my head i wouldn't know what they were talking about because like what are you talking about this this is all this like is like you know fish in water. <laughs> What's this water stuff? I don't know what you're talking about. I just you know. <laughs> uh, um, but then when I started practicing internal martial arts for you know for the intentions of getting good at martial arts, but this is the way to get good at ending is to actually pay attention to the inside of your body, feel your body, consciously make a practice of it, of feeling, moving, breathing, and um when I say mind body practice or, or Qigong, uh, so to, to put all, throw this in, in perspective, uh, the, the, um, the, the kindergarten version, uh, <laughs> there's, uh, so t- traditional Chinese, uh, Qigong means energy work. Okay. Um, and, and specifically means like you're working with your body's own vital energy. Um, and, uh, and that's just, you know, the energy of being alive, the energy that a, a living thing has that a dead thing doesn't. You know, if you take a, a, a live flower versus a, a dead flower, obviously the live flower has a lot more energy. Okay, so that's the energy we're talking about, not to get mystical about it or anything. Energy in that sense, bio, biological energy. So qigong is energy work. It's one of the three primary branches of traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, herbology, and qigong, okay. which are all... Uh, all based on the same um, energy and meridian system, and as well as the the uh, the philosophy of the the Tao Te Ching and the I Ching, um, going going back uh, many generations, and um, and so specifically Qigong, it's solo energy work. It's um, it's work that you do to cultivate and refine your own. Uh, vital energy and it's and it it more specifically it refers to usually slow gentle exercise it's what what most people think of when they hear of tai chi which is old people in the park moving slowly <laughs> early in the morning totally yeah that's uh but it that, makes i mean sense that's what qigong is it, but, it's you know it, the whole feeling your body i'm sitting there visualizing that i think if i'm not mistaken didn't uh david carradine practice that well, it's interesting. You're visualizing feeling your body, and which is like you can just feel your body. You know, like you can just 
you know, actually like feel the chair you're sitting on or feel, you know, feel your posture, feel gravity, feel your breath. You know, I mean, this, this is the thing. I know, I know what it, what it's like if I was there for, you know, uh, um, but the, uh, Qigong essentially combines slow, gentle exercise, breath work and meditation into a single activity. So it's the, it's a good kind of multitasking. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is what mind body practices in general, which yoga is actually a good example. Yoga is a mind body practice that incorporates body regulation, breath regulation, mind regulation all together. And, and, and there's lots of, uh, you know, different types of, uh, all, all types of breathwork, meditation, exercise, uh, uh, you know, in, in combination are, um, are can be mind body practices. And, and so, uh, Qigong itself has three primary branches, which are medical Qigong, martial Qigong, and spiritual Qigong. Medical Qigong is for, uh, health, wellness, longevity. It's, it's about going from sick to well to, uh, to, uh, optimal health. And martial Qigong is about performance enhancement and all, all forms of, uh, internal martial arts like Tai Chi and, and other forms of internal martial arts are martial Qigong. Um, uh, and it's, and the focus is on performance enhancement and, uh, and flow states, accessing flow states. It's, if you're, uh, not familiar with that or anyone listening is familiar with that. It's, it's the sort of optimal performance state that is, um, a, a current buzzword in, in, in psychology. Okay. Um, but it's just, it's, it's just about accessing a deep meditative focused state of awareness so that you can do whatever you're doing as well as you can do it. Um, you know, like if obviously if you're if you're if you're trying to do something, if your state's really bad, you'll you'll suck at doing that. <laughs> if you know the better your state is, the better you'll do whatever you're doing. So it's it's about uh, maintaining that uh, uh, optimal flow state. And then spiritual qigong is for uh, exploring higher states of consciousness and and refining the the spiritual energy of the body. The, the body, mind, energy, soul, spirit system. And so, uh, this is what happened to me originally is these, I, as I said, the, the exercise, breathwork, meditation, the, 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 the what all forms of Qigong have in common is the three regulations, body, there's a lot of threes, you might notice, body regulation, breath regulation, and mind regulation. And these three together are the keys to, regulating your mind, body, energy, spirit system. And, and so what happened to me, which I realized in retrospect, because I was playing with fire and didn't know it. So I was playing with these tools for, uh, for optimal performance enhancement, but they're also the tools for, um, uh, for, uh, accessing higher spiritual states of awareness as well. And I didn't even know what I was doing at the time, just <laughs> fiddling around and stuff basically. But, um, the to to bring it to bring it back down to earth, um, a big part of my mission on the planet is to help more people. Anybody who wants to establish a personal, daily mind, body, energetic hygiene practice for themselves, because I believe this is something that we all need, just like we need plenty of sleep and and uh, yeah. micronutrients, vitamins, and minerals. 
and and those people aren't getting this for themselves. And so, and it is the big reason circling around to why most people are living in their head is because most people don't actually have experience of an embodied practice or a mind-body practice to actually get into their body in some way. They don't even realize that's a thing. And so, um, for, and, but there are a lot of people who, who do realize it's a thing and, and, uh, and, or, you know, or know, know they need something. And a lot of people are shooting on themselves about, oh, I should start meditating or I should start exercising. I'm there. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm there. I know I should, I, it, you know. It's something that a lot of people want to do because they want to experience the benefits that they know come from doing that. And, and that's the reason I get so excited about, <laughs> about uh, sharing this message is because you, uh, a personal daily mind, body, energetic hygiene practice doesn't have to be any more uh, of a burden than brushing your teeth or <laughs> washing your face or taking baths or showers. It, it, is something that once you start doing it, you it'll feel so good. You don't want to stop doing it. It doesn't have to take more than fifteen, than five to fifteen minutes a day, really. But the the even better news is, you don't have to kill yourself to exercise. You can get massive benefits from exercising gently really? and slowly. And also, yes, See, yeah, that's it's amazing. That I'm always thinking you've got to do. It's you like know. the it's like the eighty twenty rule, where you get eighty percent of the results from twenty percent of the effort. Um, nice. you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to kill yourself. You don't even have to break a sweat to get huge benefits from exercising. And for people who want to start meditating, you don't have to force yourself to sit still to meditate. You can actually get up and move around while you meditate. <laughs> See, that's, it's amazing. That's actually interesting to me because yeah, I was, I was always under the impression that it was, you know, not necessarily sit down in a quiet room, play, you know, meditative music and light a candle, but I knew it was like you, or I always assumed you at least had to have 15 to 20 minutes of just basically silence where you can just get in your own. Well, <laughs> we're trying not to get in our own I mean, head, that is great. Know? It's great to meditate that way. And, and the most common meditation people know of the sitting meditation, but you can meditate standing, you can meditate moving. Um, and, and these are, these are all, I mean, these are all, Qigong includes all of these things because mind regulation includes all forms of meditation. Breath regulation includes all forms of breath work, of which there are many, but, um, uh, and, and body regulation can be applied to all forms of exercise. But, uh, a lot of people do think, yeah, oh, well, I want to meditate, but you know, I don't have time where I, I'm too distracted. I got, you know, I got to sit on a cushion for an hour or whatever, whatever the, you know, the restrictions are placing on themselves and, uh, or with exercise, oh, you know, I got to go to the gym or I got to have some equipment or I got to, you know, I got to get in shape before I start exercising. That's, <laughs> you, know, the, you know, people say that, you know, and the whole approach of Qigong is, uh, is just 15, five to 15 minutes a day as a baseline practice to sustain health, wellness, fitness, longevity. Uh, optimal uh, uh, energetic hygiene, optimal uh, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, and um, and so that's that's what I recommend. Not not just not just for you in particular, uh, but for everybody yeah. uh, who doesn't have this. And and among among the benefits are like actually getting out of your head, getting into your body, having an embodied experience of life where you're you're in touch with sensation and. I, I will tell you, uh, 
uh, a story just to kind of like tie a nice little bow on this whole thing. Totally. Um, that, that, uh, uh, was, um, from, from the last, uh, the last year I went on, uh, a Vipassana retreat. It was, it's a, it's a course, which is a 10 day silent meditation course where you basically do eight hours of seated silent meditation with instruction every day for 10 days. It's designed to, 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 to give you a taste of what it's like to live, uh, you know, in a monastery as a monk. Okay. And there's, there's, uh, the whole time there's, uh, no talking, no eye contact, no reading, no writing, no electronics, no wow. substances of any kind. Uh, you, you eat basically two, uh, small meals a day. Um, and, uh, and, and you can't do anything else other than, uh, meditate and you, know, you can't exercise. If you're used to doing yoga, you can't do yoga. If you're used to doing Qigong, you can't do Qigong. Uh, um, uh, and, and the, uh, it's a very powerful, uh, seat of meditation practice. And if that sounds like fun to anybody, I, I totally recommend it. It's an awesome experience, but, um, the, it's the, the, the story behind it, and uh, this, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but um, the story behind it is that this is the original uh, meditation technique ca- taught by uh, Prince uh, Siddhartha Gautama himself that was preserved um, while other schools of Buddhism kind of split off and developed in their own things. This was supposedly preserved the original teachings of the Buddha about how to meditate, and and the instructions they give you is in very simplified form. There's there's layers to it, and it's and it's it's well worth going and being you know receiving the instruction. But it's basically you sit still and notice your breathing and feel the inside of your body. Feel feel the sensations inside your body. And that's that's what that's the basic meditation technique. And this supposedly the Buddha said if you become intensely enough aware of your direct experience of reality through perception and, and sensation, that is the gateway to ultimate truth. And, uh, and so, uh, I, I can attest, although it's, it, it, I can't promise it'll happen to anybody at any particular time, but I can attest that there is something too, if you slow down and relax and go inside, notice your breathing, notice your movement, notice the sensations inside your body. That is a gateway to many things, including, but not limited to higher experiences of, of uh, expanded states of consciousness, yeah. as well as stress reduction, health, wellness, longevity, performance enhancement, uh, harmonious relationships, finances, you know, all the good stuff in life too, which is why I really recommend uh, people, people do it. I, I, um, I, uh, I, t- I teach people how to, how to do just the basic practice for, uh, for overall life enhancement and um, and for anybody who wants to go deeper, of course, there's um, there's there's lots more to learn. But I teach this because 
uh, I want to live in the in that world, in, in the I, world where more people are are have a daily practice of I some kind, like a daily mind body practice. Definitely agree with that because so many people are so caught up in their head that they don't e- they're not even aware of other people half the time. And that's yeah, yeah I I completely agree there. Well, you you teach that. Do you have a, a, a website or anything that? Uh, I mean, I'll put it in the show description as well. But do you have any kind of like website that? Uh, that people can go to to learn more about what you teach and how you teach it. I mean, I'm everybody's in quarantine right now. I'm assuming you probably have uh, at least an online presence or of some kind, or or do you have like a YouTube channel or anything? Uh, all of the above. Nice. Um, we uh, we we do we we have an online learning community. Well, I'll start with the website. We have a website. It's Chai Chi Tai Chi. Um. Chai tea, Tai Chi, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Took me a second, but uh, uh, nice. And and I, I can send you the link. Yeah, send me the link. We, we, we have uh, we have an an online learning community. Okay. Uh, and uh, for for people who can join us, they want to go deeper with their practice. But what uh, what we we also have that's it's just like an offering to the world is a group on Facebook. It's called the Seven Day Qigong Non Challenge. It's uh, called the Non Challenge because it's designed to be so easy there can be no excuse not to do it. It's it's a free group uh, open to the public. I don't invite people. It's by request only. Okay. It's only for people who are wanting support in establishing a personal daily mind body practice, and it consists of a series of seven videos that are designed to just watch and follow along in 15 to 20 minutes. There's no memorization or previous experience required. You just watch and follow along in the, the, uh, they're, they're, uh, super easy, gentle, appropriate for any, uh, any, uh, any person, any age, physical condition. Um, and even if you're in great shape, uh, they'll, you'll, you'll still get a lot of benefit from them. Um, well, it's like my uh, membership request. That, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. And the, the bet is that after uh, seven days, it'll feel so good you won't want to stop. And then um, we have uh, more resources that you can use for. And some people just, just pick up this daily practice and keep going with mm-hmm. it, which is great. Um, and, and we also have uh, resources available for people who want to go deeper with this practice. Excellent. That's yeah. That, and, and honestly, I've been, I've always been hesitant to start any kind of meditation practice because like I said, I, I thought it was, you know, similar to going to the gym in the sense that you've got to set time away, you know, aside and, and, and be able to really commit to doing this. And it always kind of scared me, you know, cause I'm like, I'm the kind of person where it's like, I, if I can't do it right, I don't want to do it. You know, uh, at least on, on certain types of things and things like this. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, if I can't commit to it and and it's going to just be something that I'm going to do wrong, you know, I, I'm like, well, I'll just I'll hold off it's going to the gym. Yeah. You know, I I it's like I, I, I I'm one of those typical people that go to the gym for a couple days, a couple weeks, whatever. And then all of a sudden I'm just eh. but it's like something like this that I can do passively in a sense. You know, I mean, there's active involvement with the meditation, but I mean, this is something I can do in the shower. You know, this is something well, I could do. You know. uh, the the what the what the Qigong movements require 
is uh, is about three uh, three feet by three feet of space where you can stand and and like, hold your arms out and and move freely in about that amount of space. And there's okay. certain uh, specific movements that you do, but they're very uh, they're, they're 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 very gentle, easy movements, and it's designed to be adaptable. So it's not about doing it perfect; it's about doing it in a way that feels good for your body. The, nice. The pleasure principle and the non-exertion principle. It's designed to be done in a in a relaxed way that feels good for your body. So um, the and it's uh, it it takes about as long as taking a shower for for some people. What fifteen to twenty minutes? Yeah, a exactly. day. You know, it's just. So it's not, it's not like it's a time burden that, you know, uh, uh, in, in addition to your, your regular hygiene stuff of, of washing up and oral hygiene and <laughs> dressing and everything, you know, so, um, and like you said, the mind, mind, body, breathing hygiene, uh, that makes total sense. I mean, that's, that's, uh, we need to, people need to take care of themselves more. And, and like you said, living in a world where there's more of that, I mean, it, it's, it's, this is, this sounds like it's one of the most purest forms of self-love, if you will. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mind body practice is the foundation of all self-care yeah. because, uh, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of other dimensions, uh, things like diet and sleep and finances and relationships and livelihood um, but, uh, there's nothing more, you know, what could be more fundamental than just, uh, than the, than you're, than breathing, feeling the, sen- feeling what you're feeling, feeling the sensations inside your body, noticing what arises in your awareness moment to moment, you know, it's, it's the most fundamental, uh, layer of, of, uh, experience or, or interface with. Uh, the outside world is, you know, the the most fundamental realm of sovereignty uh, that we all have is uh, is control over our own body, breath, and mind. Absolutely. Well, and and let's be honest. Right now, most people um, have more time. You know, either whether they're working from home or, unfortunately, if they're unemployed. I mean, right now is the time to start taking care of yourself more. Um, you know, it's, it's a case of like me, myself, I'm, I'm fortunate enough and, and I'm very grateful. I'm able to work from home, but I don't have a commute anymore. I don't have two hours of commuting. There's no excuse for me to not do something like this. Yeah, totally. You know, so, and when I, yeah, I expect as soon as I get those links and everything, I expect me to, uh, to send a request because I need to do something. It's not a matter of, I want to, I need to. So something like this is exciting. Especially if it's well, let me let me let me offer that wanting to is great because it feels good. And so, like, what I've what I've noticed is, uh, is, is people are actually more inclined to do what they want to do over what they need to do. So that makes it's sense. actually good that, to no, make it right. into something that you want to do because it feels good. Because like, it just it feels good. I mean, literally, it's like taking a pill. Except instead of swallowing a pill, you do this uh, moving, breathing, concentration for 15 minutes. Totally changes your state. Totally changes how you feel. Um, it, it it really is that good. And so uh, uh, the, the 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 need the, the the need is certainly there, but the 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 want is is what 
it less sustains the long-term uh, consistency. I agree. And, and it because, it, because you want to because it feels good. Like, just like you wouldn't want to skip brushing your teeth. Yeah. And, well, and and it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like if it's something that I'm going to enjoy, there's going to be, like you said, the want um, to continue. Yeah, exactly. It's that's that's what that's the whole bet. Is do it for seven days and it will feel so good you won't want to stop. That's that, that's how it's that uh, piqued my designed. interest. Yes. So yeah, <laughs> that's exciting. I I uh, I appreciate you explaining that and 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 you gave me a once again a whole nother perspective on the concept of death. That's that's the the root of this podcast is is. What happens? Because to me, there is no def- definitive answer. And, you know, because and it's one of those things also where it's it's almost like a, a big I don't want to say joke, but it's an irony of the only way you get the answer is when you're gone. And you put a you put a spin on that because are we ever really gone? If we're all part of one then we're not really ever gone. So there really almost is no concept of death. It's almost just a transference. The universe does have a sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> that is very true. So. And and the, the biggest joke of all that we're going to discover ultimately is we're going to finally discover who created the whole thing and we're going to realize that it was us. Yeah. That I do have a I do have a, a, an agreement with you on that, and so it's a it's and that also leads to the whole infinitesimal concept of reality and existence. You know, people put it on the Big Bang, but who put who started the Big Bang? You know, so it's I love it. Well, hey, Dane, I really, really appreciate the conversation. You gave me a lot to think about. Like I said, when we were talking and you were you were going down that row of, of or that list of, you know, from what perspective I was literally I was grinning ear to ear. It was great. So I love having those kinds of mind blowing type of uh, moments. And you really gave me a lot to think about. So thank you for uh, thanks for talking with me today. <laughs> You're awesome. Thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun for me too. And I'm looking forward to seeing this when it goes live. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, Hey, I will, uh, yeah, I'll let you know when it goes up and, uh, send me those, send me those links. Definitely. And I will put them in the descriptions and we'll get those, uh, get those all ready for other people to be able to partake in this and, and, and enjoy the benefits of doing these kinds of practices. Well, dude, thanks so much. I'm looking forward to staying in touch. Definitely. Absolutely. Thanks, Dane. Bye. And that was my conversation with Dane Dormio. Very relaxed guy. Really seems to have his shit together. I can't say that so much myself, but I definitely want to check out that uh, seven-day program he's got. Anyway, um, I will put all that in the show notes, along with his website, chaititaichi.org, and danedormio.com. Get information from him, get to learn a little bit more about how he's discovering those secrets to the universe and himself. And in the meantime, have yourself a good day, have yourself a good life. Take care of each other, stay safe.